Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of, and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also, visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every week, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts. My guest today is an actor, stuntman, martial artist, weapons designer, and U.S. Army veteran. Was born in Hilo, Hawaii, and has been studying martial arts for over 60 years. Throughout his 50-year career in the entertainment business, you've seen him in such notables as the original Kung Fu series, Knight Rider, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and movies such as The Octagon, My Science Project, Big Trouble in Little China, Showdown of Little Tokyo, Rapid Fire, Mortal Kombat, Blade, G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra, and many more. You may have also heard his voice in video games like Blade Runner and SWAT Warhead 1. Please welcome my guest today, Mr. Gerald Akamura. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, it's an honor for you to uh, select me to be part of, of your podcast. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I truly appreciate it. I was very excited when, when William uh, sent you my, your number and said you'd willing to do it. So I'm kind of excited. He's a, William, William's a good guy. I'm, I'm glad he connected us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We go back a long way. So, yeah, we help each other. That's good. How we like to kick it off, I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to know kind of how your martial arts journey started. Where did that first spark come from that kicked off your interest? Well, the thing is, uh, let's see. I, I started in Hilo, Hawaii. Uh, I started in judo okay. uh, about the age of uh, 12, I think, maybe 13, around there somewhere. Small kid, getting picked on a lot. So uh, I decided to take up uh, judo. In fact, uh, judo at that time in Hilo, uh, Hilo, Hawaii, uh, judo was probably the only martial arts available. Really? As, as you can see, you know, judo, most of the people consider it as a sport mm-hmm. more than a martial art thing. The other thing is that I, I played a lot of sports, uh, mainly baseball, and I thought it would uh, help me out as well, uh, condition-wise, you know, mm-hmm. th- all that stuff. So uh, judo was my, my first uh, martial arts involvement. Okay. It was at a church close to where I was, uh, Higachi Honganji. The basement was set up for uh, judo. And in fact, later on, it uh, they used it for an Aikido class. Oh. And for some reason, uh, listen to this. This is kind of catchy. Mm-hmm. The Aikido class was so uh, secret at that time. This is, you know, say 12 years. I was 12, so maybe 1952 around there. But they would not let any visitors come and watch the training. Really? Uh, yeah. Besides that, you had to go to the police station and register your hands. <laughs> <laughs> they actually made you do that? Wow. Yeah, that was part of the protocol. Wow. Uh, but being uh, not really a church member, but spending most of my time at the basement uh, training in judo, 
you know, you kind of find the nooks and crannies where you can kind of sneak in and kind of watch the training. You yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So you know, I kind of picked up, you know, a little this and that, and, you know, enough to kind of know, I would say, the basic the basic structure of Aikido. Okay. A little bit different from uh, Judo in a sense that uh, you kind of use the momentum of the individual to your advantage. But again, uh, getting back to judo, uh, mm-hmm. let's see, I, I, I only got up to a green belt. Okay. I entered one tournament, age-wise tournament uh, in Hilo. Well, the, the funny part of, of all that was the only tournament I ever actually participated in, age group 12 to 13 division, uh, age group division, I, I I won the division. I won <laughs> nice. my first competition. Okay. And so, you know, I was expecting a nice trophy, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, kind of standard, right? Yep. So instead of all that, the guy comes out with a aluminum metal suitcase. <laughs> it was green in color. A suitcase. Brian, Brian, it wouldn't that surprise the shit out of you? Man, it did me. I went, you know, a 12 year old kid, and I'm going, hey, I expect the trophy. You know, the guy says, well, you know, age divisions, uh, whatever contributions we have, we uh, make compensation as, as the first prize. <laughs> so wow. That was that was my my uh, big time first prize <laughs> uh green color aluminum suitcase. You like that, Brian? That, that's hilarious. Do you still have yeah. it? <laughs> I still, no, I still have it. You do have it. Oh wow. Thing, yeah, no, I still have it and the reason for that is I kind of loaded it up with weapons. Okay. And early days when I used to go for interview, well, this, this now we, I kind of jump in the gun, mm-hmm. you know, when I got into the movie business and all, you know, uh, I kind of went in as a martial arts stunt guy, you know, not really a stunt guy per se. Right. Right. A martial arts actor. <laughs> How's that? That sounds good. Right. <laughs> yep. Anyway, I used to take a whole lot of stuff with me just in case. Uh-huh. And the green suitcase was one of them. I also carried a black attache case for some of my smaller weapons. And as we go along, I, I got stories on okay. what I had in there. Cool. That, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's interesting. It's kind yeah. of funny. Okay. And, you know, I, I hope the guys out there or the people out there, you know, would enjoy this the story that I want to share. Okay. I like sharing it because it's kind of fun in a way. Definitely want to get into some of those. So I want to back up a little bit, back up a little bit to the judo. First of all, think back to maybe your first class in judo. You got into it because you were getting bullied. What First of all, what, what made you want to stay in it? Once you actually started and went through some classes, what was it about it that made you want to stick with it? And then well, when you got to green, what made you leave? Okay, so the big deal about all of this was that it seems like the first thing they teach you is how to tumble. Mm-hmm. The next thing they do is they tell you uh, when you fall, you kind of break your fall. So, you know, all of these things, you know, not only baseball, but I was playing, uh, they had a league in Hilo. It's a 135-pound barefoot football league. Got wow. it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So equipment-wise, oh, I'll tell you, Brian, it's kind of funny because 
whatever we could scrounge up or, or the team could scrounge up, the equipment manager had to scrounge up. We had those really, uh, if you can picture the le- leather type helmets. Oh, yeah. Can you picture that? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 I'm kind of older than you, but you got to understand some of the movies that you see, you know, those guys kind of wear the leather type football helmet. Yep. So again, being part of the football, you know, you get you get hit a lot, so you gotta fall. Some guys, you know, kind of trip you. You want to make sure you don't get flat on your face, so you kind of roll out of it. So you know, the judo portion of my uh, participation in in the martial arts was I, I I thought was really useful. In fact, I've made it a point that if you start if somebody asked me, how do I start getting into the martial arts? Mm-hmm. And my thing is that, you know, I would recommend judo only because uh, you learn how to fall. You yeah. learn how to tumble. Somebody can throw you. I have experienced later on in, in another type of martial arts that if I can get the guy off his feet an inch or two, he panics. He panicked because, and these guys are all karate guys, karate, kung fu guys. Mm -hmm. You know, most of those guys up and up, right? Up and up. They don't know the, the, too much about the floor techniques. So you get them off their feet two inches and then, I'm telling you, they're like an octopus, right? They wrap <laughs> your feet, they wrap their feet around you, they get their arms around, they don't want to get thrown, right? Mm-hmm. So again, it, this is one of those things where, you know, I, I thought judo for me was uh, really uh, beneficial. Okay. I can let somebody throw me and it's almost like a counter for me to kind of roll out and I'm on my feet again. Nice. You know, mm-hmm. even if the guy kind of chokes up on the throw and kind of keeps me close to him, you know, I know how I can break my fall, you know, with my hand, the side of my leg, you know, that kind of deal. Right. So, you know, I wasn't afraid of anybody throwing me. In fact, sometimes if that was the only counter for me, I let them throw me, you know, in, during my workouts, mm-hmm. you know. So, again, I place a lot of emphasis on starting out in something like a judo martial arts. And then, you know, with the judo martial arts, you have contact, right? Right. You're at the guy. So you have close contact. And, you know, later on when you know how to punch, elbow, knee, you know, you're right close to the guy, right? Right. So if, if you make a mistake and the guy throws you by chance, yeah, why not? <laughs> you know, I can counter him and I can roll and I can take him down with the roll, you know, after mm-hmm. he throws me. So, yeah. Okay. So that, that played a really a lot in the way I went about learning martial arts. Okay. So then why, why did you only stay till Greenbelt? Did you, was there a reason you stopped or was it a new style you picked up? No, it's not so much the style. You know, I became more involved uh, in sports. Okay. So it's really, you know, like football, you stay in uh, after school for training. Okay. So, you know, by the time I, I get home and then get ready for judo, you know, man, it's, I'm getting kind of burnt out. Yeah. So I just had to. And in fact, it really didn't get to the point of cutting it off right away. You know, I might, instead of five days a week, 
I, I might go down to three. Okay. And then maybe down to two. You know, I still needed to train in judo. Okay. Even being uh, participating in sports and like football and baseball. Okay. So then what was next in your martial arts journey? What came after judo? Well, judo, well, then we, we're talking about the military. Okay. High school, I played football. Uh, and in fact, uh, prior to that, Prior to getting into high school, uh, that would be 10th grade, sophomore year. Okay. Uh, I was playing football and uh, I, I'm not, not in fact, in fact, the summer before my first high school class, I was playing American Legion ball and also I was on an all-star team. I went to from Hilo to Honolulu to play in American Legion all-star and I got on base and uh I was on first base, and I just kind of faked the steal, and the the catcher kind of saw me leaning towards second, so he made a gesture to first base like he was going to pick me off, and my spikes got caught in the dirt. I, I kind of wrenched my knee, and, you know, back then, you know, it really, uh, they didn't have the technology to actually see like a cartilage torn yep. you know so they take me to a hospital it's a plantation hospital and when i say a plantation hospital it's a quonset hut <laughs> oh, wow yeah 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 again you know there's no buttons to call the nurse you know that kind of deal right anyway i go there you know with an ambulance i get driven to the hospital and um they take an x-ray you know naturally the x-ray don't show nothing right mm -hmm. they don't show the torn cartilage so they bandaged me up and so i stayed in the hospital for maybe three days and after the game the team was going to stay in honolulu and do a lot of sightseeing so after the three days i got released i joined the team and then we did a lot of sightseeing okay went back to uh hilo and uh again uh, i was uh told to go follow up with a doctor there and again, it was one of those, he put me in a cast. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know, again, he takes an x-ray, naturally, no bones broken. So anyway, yeah, this story getting kind of long, but, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's leading up to something. Okay, that's you know? okay. But again, it's, it's one of those where I get in a cast, I get taken out of the cast after three months, uh, I go to school in a cast and all that. And uh, removing a cast, I find that, I don't have the flexibility, a full range of flexibility on that knee. Mm -hmm. So my aunt was a nurse at one of the doctors, and she uh, set me up with a specialist that came from Honolulu. Hilo didn't have much specialists. Okay. Yeah, it was terrible getting hurt in Hilo. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> so this specialist comes from Honolulu. Once a month, once a month, and he'll do all his examination and all. I saw him. Uh, yeah, she snuck me in with an with an appointment and uh, took him two to five minutes. And right away, he says setting up for surgery in Honolulu. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, just you know, this this specialist didn't even look at any x-rays he just kind of flexed my knee and my leg and he says okay you know you got torn cartilage we got to take it out kind of deal so again i go to honolulu for the surgery for removal of my cartilage 
you know, so again, so I, di- I did play football. So, you know, to keep it kind of on a low tone, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, I was a running halfback. Okay. Okay. I, I wasn't fast, but I was fast enough. And going back to the Barefoot League, uh, originally I told the coach that knew my father that I, I wasn't allowed to play high school football. And he came down to the field to watch me play barefoot. And right away after the game, he says, hey, tomorrow, first day of school, you're reporting to me. You're on the team. You know, that kind of deal. Nice. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So my first game, uh, you're going to be proud of me, Brian. My first carry, my average was 7.8. Yeah, the bad. Not bad. The bad. Mm-hmm. 7.8 average for for uh, a run, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the funny part to all that story is that that was my only run. <laughs> <laughs> so I tell I don't tell everybody that it was my only run. I say, you know, my average carry in high school football. I said, you know, I I had like a a, a mediocre run of uh, maybe seven point eight. You know, and everybody went, wow, you know, that's good. <laughs> and I laughed to myself. You know, I don't tell them. Well, you know, that was my only run. So that's good. That's kind of. And then, you know, in, in uh, from that, I played high school uh, baseball. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of covers the, the baseball part. Okay. So in 58, I graduated in 58 from high school. Okay. Okay. So now a whole bunch of us guys, at that time, they had what they call an all-Hawaii company. Okay. So all the high school guys would sign up and we would have a company of all-Hawaii guys. Each platoon would be make up of people from the different islands. So the big island had a platoon. Honolulu, because it was so big, they had two platoons. Kauai had their own platoon. Maui had their own platoon. So that was the the big deal. And and naturally, I was in the fourth on Hawaii, and this was in 1958. Going through uh, basic and getting assigned. I went to school. At that time, if you volunteered, uh, they would guarantee your schooling. So I signed up for aircraft mechanic. So I went all the way to Virginia for my aircraft fixed wing mechanic schooling. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, I got shipped back. In fact, I got my basic training at Fort Ord, California. Okay. Okay. So from Fort Ord, I went to Virginia for my fixed wing uh, aircraft mechanic. And I thought our class was going to go to Germany because the first class in front of us all went to Germany. And when the time graduation came and we got our orders and it said Fort Ord, California. So I <laughs> I got shipped back to Fort Ord. Okay. So, you know, okay. So I thought I was going to be stuck at the States during my three-year duration. And 13 months before my discharge, I got an order. Hey, you're going to go to Korea. Korea was a 13-month hardship tour. Okay, so I go to Korea. Uh, I'm in KMAG. It's a military advisory group. You know, it's it's kind of like in being in the aircraft in this business there. It's almost like working at an airport. Mm-hmm. It's kind of on a high-end side for this KMAG group. And what we do is we uh, work at an airstrip and we transport 
people, different places. Now, I was stationed at K-46, which would be one Jew. You know, you know I, I can't tell you exactly where it's one Jew. Mm-hmm. All I can say, if, if you look at Seoul, you stand in Seoul, it's due east, 55 nautical miles due east of Seoul. I can tell you that. Okay. <laughs> That's what they told me. Anyway, when I got to uh, K-46, right away, we were separate from the compound. Uh, our strip was like about four and a half miles away from the compound. But, but visiting the compound for PX privilege and picking up liquor and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I found out that they had a Taekwondo class. Okay. So I signed up for that. I signed up for a Taekwondo class. Uh, I think we were going like, oh, I want to say four or five days a week. Wow. I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so that really was my first contact involvement in karate. Okay. You know, more than judo. Judo was the other thing that I kind of fooled around with. And how how was your view of, I mean, coming from a judo background, how was your, what was your first thoughts of taekwondo? It's obviously very, well, very different. Again, you know, you look at the karate side of the martial arts. Hey, now I can use my feet, man. <laughs> yeah. Not only my hands. I mean, I could use my feet in a lock or a flip, you know, in judo. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, I said, man, I can kick the guy, <laughs> you know? So I said, oh, hey, this is pretty good, you know? So again, that was my priority, I would say. Okay. So I, I stayed with it for like about 12 months. Okay. When I say 12 months. So you ready for a funny story? Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yes. Yeah, so now listen good now. The general for the Rock Army was a high-ranking karate master. Okay. I can't even remember his name. I have to apologize to you and your audience, but he was the highest-ranking general. And uh, one day, my instructor, in fact, my instructor was Major Park. Uh, one day, I'm still a white belt. This is really early in my training, maybe about three months. And he says, okay, we got invited because they have a big, the general is coming down. So the closest rock facility, rock, you know, Republic of Korea Mm -hmm. compound was close by to our our airstrip. So uh, one night I go to the compound for training and uh, the major says to us, okay, this Saturday uh, we all got invited to participate in this ceremony for the general. So he says, okay, uh, all of you is going to be doing something. What? I don't know. We'll ad lib. So some of you going to be doing kata. Some of you going to be breaking boards, you know, and breaking boards can be with your fist, can be with your elbow. Things that we, we kind of got into, not quite. Okay. Okay. So I get up there. I'm number one. Uh, he picks another guy. He's number two. And there's three of us standing up there. Now, there's the Rock Army guys that's going to hold boards for us. <laughs> We're going to kick the board to break the board. Okay. So there must be about three or four guys back in the guy that holding the board. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can picture that, right? Oh, yeah. The guy holding the board, and here's me. I'm warming up, right? Moving my leg. I'm going to do a roundhouse kick. A roundhouse kick now. Okay. Said, Shit, I've never done this before. 
You know, so I said, yeah, okay, it's a roundhouse kick. You know, how bad is that? I wasn't afraid of the board itself not breaking. I, I thought I had a lot of confidence. I can break this board. No big deal. Mm-hmm. So the guy is holding the board and I'm doing three or four practice uh, swinging my leg, touching the board. Mm-hmm. Right. So, okay, here it comes now. Just kind of picture, man, I'm psyched out and I give a key eye. Yeah! And I swing my leg. And then, you know what happened? (laughs) happened? My baby toe hit the board (sighs) on the bottom portion. My ball of my feet hits the guy that's holding the board in the groin. And he falls. And I went, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and and now I'm apologizing to the general, right? <laughs> the general is there watching this demo. Mm-hmm. And so naturally I said, okay, give me another guy to hold the board. And nobody wanted to hold the board for me, you know? <laughs> I said, okay, the guy guy comes, grabs the, uh, a board, and then I said, okay, uh, can you lower it a little bit? I go there, and I, I kind of lower the board, <laughs> And I do the whole whole routine again, adjusting the, the kick and all that. Give another key eye, and I break the board. Nice. Oh, oh. Bow to the guy, bow to the general, man. My head was must have been about a 10-foot diameter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I yeah. mean, oh, my chest was out there, man. I stood up like, you know, after after embarrassing myself and then, you know. So wow. that that's my story contributing to this my training in taekwondo. <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. <laughs> so I, I ended up I ended up uh, getting out of there with a brown belt. Oh wow! And you know I I kind of I, I kind of figured it, it went white, brown, black. Oh okay. With no stripes, not like before. Not yeah, like today. B- before today. before they oh, added all the colors. So yeah. oh. It, you are the color belts, but you know, everybody, you know, like I see a lot of Taekwondo schools, the white belt has like about 10 stripes, you know, so two months you pay for something for the first stripe, you pay, you, you go another two months, you get another stripe, you're paying. Everybody's paying for rank. And I don't believe in that. You earn the rank. That's my present to you. You earn your belt. You earn your stripes. You don't buy your stripes. Yeah. Not for me. Oh. Not for me. There you go. I like that. Uh, make, it, make it a big point on that. No, that's okay. That's good. Nice. So then you said you're there 12 months in your brown belt, and, then, and that was the end of your military career. Then did you move back home then? What yeah. happened then? I came home, uh, stayed home, uh, went back to Hilo. I had already signed up for a class in uh in California, Southern California. Okay. Northrop had a class that would take only one year to get your AMP license. Oh, okay. But it was like $25 a month. Okay. When I, when I finally got to California in September, I got out in June, July, someplace. Germany. So I kind of played at home, you know, during the summer, mm-hmm. visited the parents and all that. Just kind of took it easy. And then in September, I flew to California. 
It was in the Inglewood area. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yeah. I just throw names around. You just kind of oh, yeah. nod your head. You kind of nod. I know where Inglewood is. Yep. <laughs> I lived in Southern California for a year, so I know I know the area. Anyway, before I actually went to register, I met somebody that says L.A. Trade Tech, Los Angeles Trade Tech at an AMP license school for AMP license. And it would take one year would be for power plant. One year would be for uh, airframe. So, and it was like, uh, like any kind of uh, junior college, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, community college, I guess, you know, you just pay for the semester, you know, 12 bucks for the semester. Right. Yep. Something like that. Okay. I kind of went that route because when I came up, I didn't have any money. At that time, uh, California had some kind of program going. If you were in school, you didn't have to look for a job. Uh, You would get your uh, unemployment uh, check every week as long as you hold a C in school. So that's kind of, yeah, so that's kind of where I went and uh, I never got to Northrop. Uh, I do still have a deposit there. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's kind of where in between my martial arts involvement. Mm -hmm. So how long long were you in California before you picked up martial arts again? Oh, again, uh, going to school. I got my power plant license in one year. I was going for my airframe. I I got through at least a semester. Then uh, I found an opportunity to work for Douglas Aircraft Company. They had a program going on for uh, jig and fixture builder. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, Jigs and fixtures kind of put together stuff to build the airplane or or a missile. so some is a fixture that you put parts in there and then you either rivet it or you weld it. Okay. So you have a weld fixture, naturally you do the welding. Right. You know, a jig might be a, something that you would put parts in there anyway. So it's, it's sub-assemblies before you can put all the sub-assemblies together to create uh, an aircraft, uh, you know. Okay. Anyway, going through that, I was in, in an apartment in L.A., and a, uh, I don't know what you call it. A guy came to sell me a discount to a, almost like a uh, Costco or Sam's Club, you know, okay. a membership. And on my wall in my apartment, I had made me my first sigh. So it was on the wall and he noticed that. And he approached me and he goes, hey, are you a martial artist? I said, you know, I'm kind of new to it, you know. Nothing really big deal. And he says, well, I tell you what, I have a friend in El Monte, California. His name is Jimmy H. Wu. He teaches Kung Fu Sun Tzu. He goes, how about if I take you there one day? And so I said, oh, I'm game, you know. So uh, he was telling me uh, that, uh, explaining a little bit about Jimmy, you know, he says, you know, for him, the way he got involved is that uh, right outside the studio where Jimmy was teaching at a coffee shop. And one day he was drinking coffee in there and uh, Jimmy came by and they were uh, exchanging words Hmm. and it got kind of (laughs) loud. And, you know, this guy was a really big guy, a white guy. And uh, 
he I guess he thought he could take care of Jimmy. <laughs> so he started mounting off mounting off to Jimmy. And next thing you know, he was a uh, couple tables broken, couple chairs broken, and he's on his back on the floor. Wow. <laughs> and, okay. And he, he told me, well, that's how I signed up with Jimmy. <laughs> so he said, uh, I'm going to take you to meet Jimmy. Nice. Really nice guy, really humble guy. But just remember, don't piss him off because <laughs> he's going to kick your ass. <laughs> nice. So. That's how I got involved with Kung Fu Sansu. Okay. I went there, and the very first day, uh, he says, "Hey, you want to come on on the floor?" Hey, you know me, man. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm game for anything, <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, working on uh, or training in in uh, Taekwondo, I do a lot of push-ups on my on my knuckles. Yep. So my knuckles was kind of, you know, I had a nice scab on my knuckles, two of my big knuckles, right? So the first thing Jimmy does, he goes, let me see your hand. I shows him my hand. He goes, turn over. So here's, he's looking at my knuckles. He looks at it. He points at it. He taps on it. <laughs> and he says, stupid. <laughs> and I looked at him like, okay. He goes, you break board bricks with your knuckles? And I said, sometimes. <laughs> he said, stupid. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> he said, wise man gets big hammer <laughs> to break bricks and wood <laughs> and anything else he wants, not with your hand. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> so I'm in big I'm in big trouble. That's how I met Jimmy. That's Jimmy awesome. Jimmy ate <laughs> That's how I got involved with Kung Fu Sansu. Okay. <laughs> you had mentioned your size. How did you, what gave you the idea to try to design your own weapon? Because that's obviously something you do, do quite a bit now. And what, How did that start? Well, the first size I bought, I went to a martial arts store. Mm-hmm. And uh, back then they had those cast size and they really had one size and the prong, it was small and didn't have small, medium, large. And so I bought the side, took it home. And when I was kind of fooling around with it, I couldn't twirl it because okay. the prongs was kind of too tight for my hand. Mm-hmm. And that's why I made my first side. That's the one that was hanging on the wall in the apartment. Okay. So then, uh, this kind of goes way back uh, in Hilo days. Uh, I watched a lot of samurai movie, you know, Zatoichi, mm-hmm. ninja movies, whatever they came up, and I was really intrigued by the 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 concealment of weapons that the ninjas carry. And I, I with uh, accessibility of the machine shop. <laughs> because I started working at Jig and Fixture. We also had a machine shop. Okay. So I did a lot of metal. I messed around with a lot, of, a lot of metal. You know, when I was working, it was real hard for me to kind of get an interview and tell you, hey, you know, I built this in between lunch, you know, at the aircraft plant. Okay. You know, maybe even now if somebody's listening, they can come pick me up. But <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So that that's kind of that's kind of yeah, and and I had fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to take a lot of the stuff, like I explained. I had a lot of stuff in my attaché case. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the weapons that I took there, 
uh, I made, I was approached by another martial art guy. He was training females when we had, I, I'm not sure what year it was, but they had a serial, uh, I want to say rapist around Southern California. Okay. I don't know if you remember that event. No. Anyway, he approached me one day and he says, hey, come over. I got to talk to you. So I said, yeah, I, I'm coming over, you know, whenever you invite anybody invites me and says, hey, I want to talk to you about some kind of weapon. Maybe you can come up with, you know, I'm there in two seconds, right? Mm -hmm. Just give me an idea what you're talking about. So he goes, okay, females are getting raped by the serial rapists, you know, along Southern California. And he says, you know, uh, I would like to have something made up for the females to carry. And I said, yeah, okay, you know, I'm not sure if you're familiar with a 10 pawn. You know what is a 10 pawn? Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep, okay. We're on right track then. Okay. Mm -hmm. We used to have that plastic container that would house two of the 10 pawns. You're familiar with that? Yep. Maybe not. Oh, good. If you are, that's good. So I get. I get that container. Okay, so now I put some hypoxy on the bottom of the bottom portion of the of the plastic container. I put two stainless steel spikes inside embedded in the composite plastic in the bottom of this container. I take out the cotton of the tampons and I put the package over the the spike. And I put the cover on. <laughs> nice. So my thing is that, okay, you know, I, I just made it up. I, you know, practical, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, the training for females, you have to have confidence. Yep. Even to the point of, hey, you're close enough to the enemy. The person might have an arm around you. So just kind of picture this. If the guy wants to kiss you, you have to have enough confidence. Let him kiss you. Go for the French kiss. And guess what? As soon as his tongue gets in your mouth, bite it. Right? Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. But not many can do it. Not right. many can do it. Right? I wouldn't but think so, no. <laughs> The concept is there, right? Yes. Just put it in their head. Concept is there. There's close enough where you can gouge the eyes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, all this scenario is what I present when I do a female self-defense class. Okay. But I also have this little gimmick. If you have it in your purse and the guy gets you, you reach in a purse, you flip over the cover, and then now you have these two tampons, the guy is laughing at you. You just shove it in, right at the throat, you know, the soft portion yeah. right under your jaw and then run. Okay. Yeah. So then I make a presentation. I make a whole bunch of this stuff. And in fact, here's the funny part. I go to the drugstore and I ask the lady, uh, do you have any tampon holders? She goes, yes. Uh, can I see it? Yes. Uh, it's in individual plastic. Yes. Okay. How many do you have? Oh, we have a lot. I said, how much is a lot? Uh, she said, oh, maybe about three dozen. I said, okay, I'll take all of it. <laughs> and she looks at me. Are you sure you want these? Oh, definitely. I want these. Okay. So now she puts it all in a package. I'm way in the back by the pharmacy section. Now I got to go to the front. I got to pay for these things. So 
I take it out of the package and I put it on the counter. And the lady looks at me and he goes, sir, are these for you? I said, yes, it is. <laughs> and she says, and how do you use it? Oh, that's a long story. Uh, I, I don't have time to explain it to you. But trust me, it's for me. That's awesome. So I pay for it and I walk out. Wow. <laughs> I've been through, I'm telling you, since we had this pharmacy, let me tell you another story. Okay. I got another weapon, okay? It's a slingshot. Mm -hmm. You take a hair curler, you got a condom, and you have rich ladies that have pearl necklace. Okay. Get it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I got some hair curlers from the wife. I says, honey, I need some hair curlers. What do you need it for? Never mind. Just give me about a half a dozen. Okay. So now I'm at the pharmacy and I say to the lady, I'm looking for condoms that is really strong and not lubricated. <laughs> she went. <laughs> Most people go the other way. They're looking for the thinnest and well lubed. I said, well, not for me. <laughs> I'm looking for something that's very strong, uh, very thick, uh, and I want it uh, enlarged. <laughs> she looked at me. I mean, we had a silent moment. We looked at each other and like, okay, are you serving me or not? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, she goes, okay, I have this, I have this, I have this. You got any in Trojan? You know, it's like, <laughs> yes, we do. Okay. <laughs> wow. Brian, you, you're picking up on all of this. I hope you're enjoying all my stories because, man, <laughs> I, had, I had fun. Halfway embarrassed. <laughs> halfway embarrassed. But, yeah, it, it, it was for my, my ninja weapons. If someone asked you, would, would you have a rough idea? How many weapons have you designed in your life? No. No, no. no idea? <laughs> Too many? No. You know, the worst part of all of this mm -hmm. is the question that they ask me is, what is the name of your weapons? You don't name them at all? I don't have a name for it. Okay. And it, yeah, the, my first interview with Inside Kung Fu, the guy asked me, what is the name of this weapon? I said, it's a toy. Okay. <laughs> What is the name of this weapon here, then? It's a toy. <laughs> okay, then I guess this next weapon is a toy. I said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was a toy. <laughs> Do you have a favorite one that you designed of all the ones you've done? The one that really stands out, that is really special? Well, yeah, for me, my, my hook sword, my Okamura hook sword. Okay. Now, I've had people dupe it, you know. Mm -hmm. I've had people, in fact, getting away from other stuff. I'll get back to it. But now that you mentioned the hook sword, or I have mentioned the hook sword, a friend of mine calls me over to his studio, his dojo, mm -hmm. and he says on the phone, he said, you got to come over because I just designed this awesome hook sword. I said, fine. I go over, and it's way out in the valley. So I go out to his uh, dojo. And he says, come take a look at this hook sword. So here's my hook sword mounted on his wall. And I I didn't have it in me to say, you know, you both here. Those are my swords. I designed it. I just left it at that. And wow. I said, yeah, they look really good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I've had a lot of incidents 
you know, on weapons, you know, that I've done. Uh, in fact, going back to my slingshot, I try to get it into a movie. You know, a rich lady is having breakfast with, with her son, college mm-hmm. son, and they get kidnapped. And to escape from the captives, the mother says, son, I know you have a condom in your wallet. Can I have it? And she's in curlers. I got to set it up correct. Mm-hmm. She's in curlers. She's, she's, you know, he has a jewelry on, so she got pearl necklace on. Okay. To escape, one guy was guarding there. And again, uh, I, I wrote all this scenario to present it to whoever wanted it. Uh, you know, so she goes to the sun and uh, the sun says, yes, I do. And, you know, uh, you see the wallet with the round uh, in the <laughs> ring. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a close up on that. You know, I wrote it down close up on wallet. You know, that kind of thing. Yep. Takes it out. The mother uh, tears open the condom and says, son, how long have you kept this in your wallet? <laughs> and he goes, sometimes, very long. Sometimes I haven't had a chance to use it. Yeah, I, I, I write down dialogues and that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> and anyway, she goes, and did you have to have it lubed? <laughs> she goes, mom, everybody gets lubes, condoms. So, well, okay, this have to do. So she takes a hair roller out of her hair. And she puts inserts the 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 condom in there, pulls off a pearl, breaks off one pearl, puts it in as ammo, shoots the guy. <laughs> you like that? Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I I can go sidetrack everywhere you go, and <laughs> uh, Brian. Get me back on track. All right. So what led to Hollywood? How did your career in Hollywood start for you? Okay. So training with Jimmy H. Wu in Kung Fu Sansu in Mm -hmm. El Monte, California. One day, Jimmy H. Wu calls me to his desk. I'm in there early, usually. I'm the first guy there besides Jimmy. Uh, He calls me over to his desk. He goes, Gerald, I want you to go to Warner Brothers tomorrow morning for me. I got invited to participate in uh, do a uh, a thing on the Kung Fu series with David Carradine. Okay. And he goes, I don't want it. See, and <laughs> and here's the backstory to that. He's so proud. You know, he likes to be number one. He mm-hmm. is number one. Yep. Regardless on anything, anything. He's a very humble person, but don't piss him off. Yeah. So anyway, he tells the guys at the studio, whoever called him. Uh, says, you send me a limousine, my time, you know, not knowing the business. He goes, my time, meaning that he's on the clock when limo driver comes to pick me up. And, you know, it, it wasn't like per hour, you know. Mm-hmm. The pay was like, uh, I think it was $172 a day, a day player. Okay. Okay. So anyway, he goes, no, we can't, we can't send you. You find your own way. He goes, then I don't want it, you know. <laughs> And then he says, I want my name above David Carradine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that's kind of the, the kind of guy he was. Okay. He, his name wasn't going to be below somebody else's. Right. Anyway, so he tells me to go, not knowing the business. Again, for me, I was very naive. Mm-hmm. But going, not saying no to Jimmy, I said yes. And, and I did go to Warner Brothers. They didn't have my name at the gates. 
So I told them the situation. They got okay, report to state so-and-so and meet the, you know, the technical advisor. Mm-hmm. So I go there, I walk in, and I, I run into Mr. David Chow. At that time, he was the uh, technical advisor. Okay. And I, I, I explained to him, well, I introduced myself. I said, you know, I, I'm here in place of Jimmy H. Wu. Jimmy H. Wu couldn't make it, not didn't want to come. Right. Uh, couldn't make it. And he sent me. I said, I don't know the protocol. I don't know all the routine, but, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the guy says, oh, we can use you. We can use you. Definitely use you. You know, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Paperwork and all that. And that's how I kind of got started in the industry. Early six o'clock in the morning, uh, you go through wardrobe and makeup and all that kind of stuff, sign papers. But again, it was one of those where I had hair. I had a flat top with a duck tail and all that stuff. <laughs> and uh, right off the bat, he says, well, you get two choices. Uh, you can shave your head or we have to put a skull cap on you. I said, you're not shaving my head, <laughs> right? So so it was one of those skull cap. And back then, it was not like today. The skull cap came way back down your the top part of your back. So you was almost like Frankenstein. <laughs> Uh, to turn to turn left, you cannot turn your head. You almost have to turn your shoulders, you know, back and forth, right, right. and left. Yep. And it was so uncomfortable. And uh, for me, I sweat real easy. A uh, little exertion and I'm sweating. <laughs> okay. So 6 o'clock, well, 6.30, I go to makeup and the guy says, okay, what you decide? Shave your head or a skull cap? So I said, definitely a skull cap. So. 6.30 in the morning, I'm getting a skull cap put on, makeup that, go to wardrobe, get my wardrobe. Then I go back, sit in my trailer, wait for them to call. And then lunch comes, and this is, okay, you can go. We break for lunch. So I go in all this thing, and I'm walking to the commissary, and I and I hear this goose, goose. And I say, man, I must have water underneath my skull cap. <laughs> And uh, getting the skull cap put on uh, 6.30 in the morning, I shot. My scene came up about 7 o'clock that night. So before I got on, makeup checked me out. And they goes, hey, you got water in there. So he pulls like uh, uh, right by my ear. He pulls a little bit back of the skull cap (laughs) to drain the water from my head. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Pass it back on, and I did my scene. That's, That's awesome. how I got involved with the entertainment side. Yes. <laughs> and cool. back then, I didn't know. I got, you know, not being uh, a union member. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, I found out that uh, the first day you work on a union shoot, you can go on. Uh, they have a thing called the Taft-Hartley Act. Yep, correct. You can, oh, you're familiar with that. Oh, yeah, I, I, do, I do voice acting, so, yeah, I, I'm very familiar oh, with Taft-Hartley. Oh. Man, I'm talking to the man. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of how I got started into the business. I want to talk a little bit. Obviously, one of your most iconic roles is Big Trouble in Little China. So just talk a little bit about that. How did that come about? And maybe a story from filming that one, because that's one of my all-time favorite movies. I watch it at least once a year. I love that movie. Oh, well, let me see. It, it started out really as a cattle call. Okay. Uh, audition was at uh, 20th Century Fox. They had a room set up for uh, 
John Carpenter. So what I did, uh, uh, it was an open kettle call. And so I took one of my students, a black belt. I thought I could throw him around to kind of show what I knew in the martial arts, the fighting stuff. And I also took my green, <laughs> my green suitcase, suitcase <laughs> and my black attaché case. Yeah. Anyway, so it, it was one of those cattle call auditions. Okay. Uh, so I kind of threw around my partner in front of uh, John Carpenter, and uh, I did a little bit of uh, weapons, okay. fighting with weapons, uh, kata with weapons. And then, you know, something like that, they don't tell you exactly right there if you got the job or not, you know. And so I, I, I took it upon myself to, to approach John Carpenter and, and I said, you know, I do have a lot of weapons if you're looking for something uh, unusual. And so uh, what I did have was I had a little cylinder attached to a chain with a bullet nose nugget or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. So the cylinder was like maybe nine inches long, chain concealed in it. The bullet nose would fit on top of, of the cylinder. And what you could do is it's I could flick it out. It's almost like a Manrique Gusari. You familiar with a Manrique Gusari? No. It's almost like a nunchaku one. It's a long chain with two weights on. Compared to a nunchaku, you got wood and a short chain in between. Okay? Yeah. So you kind of picture that. Yeah. So this little gadget wasn't as long as a chain with two ends. Okay. But once you flick it out, you could use it as a short Manrique Gusari. Okay. So what I did was... I also had made creatures with legs on it, almost like a spider okay. that you could attach to a body. I had a plate on, you could put it on. And, nice. and the gimmick that I had was that you had this cylinder thing and you flicked it out. Now, this bullet nose would travel and, you know, with the movie industry, the chain can be you know, 20 feet long, right? <laughs> yeah. So as this bullet is traveling in the air, eventually you can see the legs. So I made kind of like legs popping out of this thing, you know, well, uh, gluing it on okay. uh, just to show John. And then eventually when it hit somebody, it would uh, attach itself. The legs would be like claws. So it would, you know, deep eat on your body and then you would, automatically the weapon would retract the chain and pull the enemy to you, you know? So John said, Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting and all that. Okay. But, you know, I, I showed them some other stuff. I had a, a sickle that the end, I had uh, projectiles popping out <laughs> and uh, the propulsion would be light. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I kind of explained it. I, I didn't have it, but I explained it when the flash of light goes off the projectile. And I had it like little missiles. <laughs> wow. That, you know, you could shoot out. One of them would be an explosion. And the other one for uh, a comedic uh, relief would be it would hit the guy in the stomach. But the projectile is loaded with gas. So here, it, you know, I don't know if he kind of used that, you know, with uh, thunder, when mm -hmm. thunder ex expands and blows up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if they had that already in mind or if he kind of used my idea. Okay. Because the projectile will hit the guy in the stomach and the guy would kind of laugh. 
but all of a sudden his stomach would expand because the gas has been released in him. <laughs> nice. And then blow up. <laughs> Very so cool. John thought that was pretty good too. So again, I, I ended my de- my demonstration or my audition. I went home, and uh, that night, one of the, the coordinators, the martial arts side, mm-hmm. called me up and says, "Hey, Gerald, John wants to use you in this project." <laughs> All right. Nice. And he says, "Okay, tomorrow morning, I want you to." Go to 20th Century Fox. We'll have your name at the gate so you can drive onto the lot. I want you to go to special effects, uh, uh, the guys that take care of all the equipment. Oh, I cannot think of the name. Like a prop, yeah. prop master? Prop master. Okay. Thank you. They told me to go to the prop shop. Okay. And um, they will uh, present you with the weapon that you your character would be using. In this project, I said, oh, fine, fine. So next morning I go there, you know, I'm big shot now because now I, you know, I got my name at the gate, right? Yeah. So now I'm, I'm going there. My chest is way out there. My head almost couldn't get fit the gate, man. You know, it's like, my name is Gerald Okamura. The guy goes, to, oh, okay, Mr. Okamura, you need to go to the prop shop. You know where that is? No. Okay. You go this way. It gave me direction. So I get there and I walk in and I say to the guy, my name is Gerald Okamura. I was supposed to report here. The guy goes, yeah, we know who you are. He goes, let me go in the back and get the weapon John got for you. I said, okay. The guy comes out and he has the two gold-plated pistols, pearl handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at the guy and I go, what the hell is this? <laughs> right? I mean, wait a minute. This is a martial arts stuff. But it says, okay, these two guns are yours for your character. And the guy, the assistant comes and goes, try the holsters on. <laughs> you know, the holsters fit me perfect. Nice. Perfect. And I heard, now I'm not real sure of this, but I heard that renting those guns, you know, the, the holsters and the guns, mm-hmm. like 1800 a day. Wow. Because they got it from a, a personal person they were renting it from. Now, I'm not sure about the cost, but they were renting that uh, weapon wow. to go play from somebody. Okay. And they were paying, you know, that kind of money. And so, okay, I said, so. Okay, if John wants me in this, uh, that's it. <laughs> and this is okay. Besides that, John wants you to, at different time, you have these two acts to somewhere along the line, but you're going to be wearing the gun throughout. <laughs> Even if you have the axe, you're going to have your guns on. That's your character. I said, oh, okay, fine. And as I, I said, are we done? He goes, no, John. <laughs> also wants you to have these bandoleras. And I said, what? He goes, yeah, John wants you to wear two of these across your chest, crisscross. <laughs> he shows me the bandolera, and I says, uh, uh, the bullets don't fit in a six-shooter. <laughs> he goes, that's the gimmick. That <laughs> is the gimmick. And, you know, not too many people right off the bat caught it. Now, I don't know if you caught it the first time you saw it. Not the first time. No way. I saw I was probably like <laughs> 10 when I saw it the first time. So. <laughs> so I got interviewed a lot of times and I said, yeah, the biggest concern if I had to reload my six shooters with the bullets 
that I had across my chest. They wouldn't fit. You know, that was a kind of funny. And the guy that interviewed me would say, but aren't those bullets kind of big for your six-shooter? <laughs> I said, I didn't notice. I didn't notice, but I'm glad I didn't have to reload. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, that's kind of the whole funny stuff that I, I, I kind of played with those guys. That's cool. Even the interviews after the movie, I, I was playing even with the prop guys, you know, like, hey, I do have to carry these things, you know, then I really liked. But that's how I got involved with Big Trouble Little China. Very cool. John created the character. And, you know, I'm not sure if you know, you probably do uh, by now, but Big Trouble was supposed to be a Western. Did you know that? I remember reading that somewhere long ago. Yeah. So I must have been the token Western guy in Big Trouble. What do you think? Makes now sense. That you, now that we talk, yeah. What do you think? That makes sense, actually. Yeah. That's actually kind of funny. Later, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the more, I don't know if that's a good word, the more funny as we talk is this character that John gave me. You know, this year, I think, would be the 37th year, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Someplace around there. But, you know, my character is as live today as Big Trouble movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's people out there that have taken uh, the character and my ugly face and the cartoon stuff, <laughs> you know, drawing, yep. T-shirts, you know, that kind of stuff. So I'm very honored honored very honored that my character is still alive along with big trouble movie it's it's, it's iconic movie and an iconic character I, <laughs> when I, I mentioned a few people i was gonna if it was a few friends of mine who are big movie fans and when i mentioned who i was interviewing they're like are you serious they got all excited and stuff the guy with the golden guns <laughs> so yeah <laughs> people know that character man that's that's a great character it's, like i said one of my favorite movies i love it yeah, because you know the thing is, uh, I think Al Leong. Yeah. You know who Al oh, Leong uh, yeah. is. I'm I'm hoping to get Al on the show someday. I'm, I, I've I've sent a request, but I haven't heard back yet. But he'd be he'd be another fun one to talk to. Oh, let me see if I can uh, give him a buzz. I'd appreciate okay. it. No, no promises. Yeah, no, that's fine. You know, but uh, every once in a while, I talk to him. Okay. You know, we chat and kind of BS. So yeah. Let's put that on the side. Let me see what I can do. Okay. Uh, but anyway, I I thought when uh, we were we were shooting because you know really, Al Leong was never included in the first audition. You know that? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, Al was the one that told me, and I don't know if there was some indifference with the the martial art coordinators. Okay. Plural. I don't know which one that he had. Uh, some problem with, but it was John Carpenter, according to Al Leong, mm -hmm. was put. Uh, Al Leong was working as a crew member on the set or on a set or whatever. Okay. And John approached him and he said, why didn't you come for the interview? And Al says, I wasn't invited. <laughs> wow. And John says, would you like to be part of the project? And Al said, definitely. Nice. So I think L was a hatchet man, uh, the hatchet, they call the Wing Kong's hatchet guys. Mm -hmm. But I think John had the intention because L really had a bigger part than my character. Mm -hmm. See, my character was one of the small guys, you know, uh, that just kind of lit up. Uh, <laughs> 
you know, the initial fight when I started the fight in the alley, I think had something to do with it. Yeah. You know, John, getting back to uh, John and me uh, and the character, uh, one day he, uh, for lunch, he calls, before we broke for lunch, he goes, hey, Gerald, uh, how about uh, you and I go back to the alley with a camera guy and uh, I want to just shoot you a single. And I, mm. All right. You know, when they talk about singles, that's a close-up, yeah. right? Yep. I, I mean, I was, I was jacked. Oh, I was, oh, man. Nice. You know, I said, oh, you're right. So it, we were actually shooting that scene uh, to start the fight in the alleyway. And uh, right off the bat, he goes, okay, this is what I want you to do. Can you do some kind of kata in preparation before you draw? And I said, can I? <laughs> You know, I'm going to milk this, right? It's not going to be, you know, some quickie thing and I go draw my gun. So that's why I came up with that wide circular gesture, you know. I didn't want to go too long. Mm -hmm. I figured he could cut it off. But but that's how I got into all of that. Okay. And then John says to me, you watch enough Western before the guy draws the gun, doesn't the guy kind of twitches his finger on the butt of the gun, right? Yep. You know what? The guy kind of touches the butt of his gun. Oh, so, yeah. John, I'm going to do a single on that. I said, okay. And that's that's how that scene got put together. Yeah. So, again, it was, you know, John Carpenter that kind of created the character. And, in fact, uh on different days when John would send the PA to, to grab like eight guys to go, Hey, go to the, the, the stunt guys, grab eight guys. And so I, I go. And then John says to me, Gerald, uh, you too notice noticeable. I don't want you in this shot. So go back, drink coffee. <laughs> so I didn't get a lot of screen time okay. <laughs> <laughs> on one side. It's good. On another, it's, you know, so it, it's kind of like when he said that, I felt kind of good. Like, okay, you know, I wasn't feeling bad, not participating in more fight scenes, right. you know. <laughs> in all your years of martial arts training, is there one philosophy you've learned that you just think is super important that you keep coming back to it? It's at the top of your list. Well, it's kind of what uh, Jimmy H. Wu has kind of drilled in the, in the students, okay. you know. And again, it, it depends on different people. Mm-hmm. But this is what he, he would say. I have only one life to give, meaning you can kill me but one time, but you can never take away my confidence. Nice. Okay? So mm-hmm. this is something now. Not everybody can use that as their philosophy, right? Mm-hmm. Think about it. Right. You know, not everybody is talented like this man. Now, for somebody to say that, he's willing to go into a situation. And if the situation dictates that the guy, the other guy is better than him, he's going to die. He's going to get killed. But he doesn't worry about dying because even after you kill him, he still retains his confidence. You know, something like that is kind of kind of hard to use as a philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think right? that's good. The other thing is that he always said, don't turn the other cheek. And the reason for that is that he says, 
that first punch from the other guy might put you out. <laughs> so you would not get a chance to turn the other cheek. That's good. I <laughs> you like, like that, that one. one That's better? a good one, yeah. You want that better? And now, again, <laughs> you know, it takes certain people, different people, to kind of use that as a philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you might not even want to chance that first punch, right? <laughs> right. The other thing is that is being in this society, when you put down somebody, you know, that's murder or self-defense. Now, use it only to protect your loved ones. If you have to talk your way out of it, get out of it or run away. Now, isn't that kind of hard to swallow? Yeah. Right? You don't want to run. Right. (laughs) Right? You think you're tough. (laughs) But at the same time, it kind of makes sense. Yes, it does. You know, so those are the kind of things that he he tells you, but I take it with a grain of salt because it's Jimmy H. Wu that's telling me these things. I'm not to his level, you know. I'm a, a student that's just starting out. I mean, I had martial art background, but not to this kind of... uh, talk with an instructor, right? with a master that's going to tell me, hey, you know, you're not afraid of anything. You have the confidence to go after the guy. But if he's better than you, he's going to kick your butt. But he's not going to take your confidence away. Right. You know, easier said than done. True. I like it, though. That's good. You got some good stuff there. So, again, you know, I, I listened to all of this. I kind of shifted around. I moved it around, you know. Take this, take that. And the other thing that uh, Jimmy says when I'm training is that I want you to become a garbage disposal. Listen to that. I want you to be a garbage disposal. Why? He goes, the garbage disposal doesn't dictate what gets thrown in there to grind up, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's somebody else that's throwing it. Some of it, it might be good. So take in everything. You are the garbage disposal. Turn your mind into a garbage disposal. Listen to everything anybody, everybody have to say. That's good. <laughs> you like I, that I like thing? that a lot, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You spit out what you don't want. <laughs> that's right. But you take it. Taking everything. And even for you, you mentioned to me about the different type of martial arts that you were involved in or Mm -hmm. are in. You know, for me, I was comfortable after Taekwondo and Judo, the combination that Kung Fu Sansu and Jimmy H. Wu had to offer. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that I had to go elsewhere to find a satisfaction. That's good. But that's me. That's me. Yeah. You know, a lot of people feel that they need to go to other places to pick up. But I listen. I listen. Mm-hmm. I, I might not train in it, but I try to find the fine points when somebody's talking. Okay. But I found enough information from Jimmy H. Wu in Kung Fu Sansu. That's good. But that that's me. That's yeah. only me. I find even now the new guys that took over... Uh, you know, like like I said, I had the judo experience, and so I would teach my students to fall, to roll, you know, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. With Jimmy, never taught us. 
Okay. So I just added that element. I thought I, I felt that uh, was important to their their training. That's good. All right. I have a few fun questions to wrap this up here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a yeah. minute. Wait yeah. a minute. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Did I hear the word rap? <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you, you're not wrapping me up this quick. No, no, no. There, there is no way. After you got me on this phone, got me going, I'm talking my head off. I don't appreciate you cutting me off this soon. So you better have some other questions for me. I have more. I'm more. Okay. Okay. We're on the right. That's a slow wrap. <laughs> All right. We're on the right track. All right. So okay. the, the, the first one now, this one, I've had a, people name as few as two and as many as eight. So as many as you want to put on there, who are like three, four, five names you would put on your personal Mount Rushmore of martial arts? Wow. You know, I think the first guy uh, I would put on would be uh, the actor that played Zatoichi. Oh, okay. For a reason. Mm -hmm. For a reason. He was a, a gambler, right? He mm -hmm. was a Yakuza guy. Mm -hmm. But the other side of the coin, he was uh, very humble. He was uh, very compassionate. Uh, he always helped the less fortunate. Uh, so he would be one. You know, so Zatoichi is one, and I told you why. Now, mm -hmm. Jimmy H. Wu, for whatever reason, whatever reason, because we, we had a, a breakup, a sort of a breakup. Oh. Yeah, uh, but I would put him up there only because the way he taught me was kind of wide range, and, and the spectrum was endless. It's almost like you can still come up with your own combination he kind of put that in my mind nice and i don't think a lot of the, the his students caught on to that portion of his training okay uh, maybe maybe they did maybe i'm i'm wrong but i i received uh sort of reading between the lines whatever he had to say whatever he taught i, I kind of broke it down to really uh understand the lessons okay uh so he would be another one up there oh you know uh lone wolf ogami mm -hmm. now he would be another one only because of his uh i would say skills in protecting himself and his loved ones okay yeah he would be he would be up there you know, I think you would have expected me to say Bruce Lee. A lot of people say him, but not not everyone. Yeah, and I'm I'm one of them that says not. I respect him. Mm -hmm. I respect him very much for what you know his accomplishments and uh, in the martial arts, coming up with his own uh, martial arts. Okay, but I would not pick him as one of the guys in Rush Rushmore. Okay. Oh, that's kind of a tough question. That the rest of the guys, you know, I respect, I respect all of these guys. You know, I really right. uh, respect the guys. But you know, more so uh, at one other uh, interview, guy kind of asked me the same questions, uh, like you know, almost along the same line, like heroes. Okay. You know, my answer to that to him was that instructors. Martial art instructors, the good ones, the legitimate ones, no names, just their 
tenacity, honesty, humility, you know, where they would teach, not for the money. You, you know what I'm talking about? Old school? Yeah. Old school martial art instructors, you know, wasn't rich. <laughs> <laughs> True. They would teach their students to become good citizens, respect your elders, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Be honest, trustworthy, you know, all that, all those fine words. But at the same time, the biggest word in there was humility, right? Right. You cannot be a good instructor if you teach with a chip on your shoulder. That is true. So there would be a blank statue of a person up there with no face because they would represent all of the legitimate instructors. I like that. So that's kind of, you know, wraps up, you know, that, that question. Uh, I don't know if I kind of answered your question or not. You got to tell me if it's, <laughs> if I'm off track or not, you know, you, you can, you can shout at me. Oh no, you know? you're, that's great. That's actually a great answer. Another a question I just thought of, I, I still have more to get to, but one I just thought of, so you, you were in Southern California in, in like, you know, the sixties and seventies. Did you ever do anything or cross paths with, with Ed Parker at all? No, really? no. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, talking about Ed, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Parker, I never got involved in that end because I think uh, he was way before my time up here. Okay. I came up in 61, but I wasn't really into the martial arts. Like I told you, the guy came uh see me and then, you know, started me off in Kung Fu Sun Tzu, but that was not right away. Okay. I heard about all these people. I've seen Ed Parker in the movie, you know, that kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would be in the movie. Truthfully, uh, it, it kind of bit me in the butt just by accident. Mm-hmm. In your involvement with Kung Fu, I know in Judo, you said you did a tournament. Did you ever do any competition with Kung Fu Sun Tzu? No, the, the reason is that... Uh, uh, Jimmy never entered any tournaments. Oh, okay. His philosophy was this is for the street, uh, good or bad. And, you know, there's a lot of takes on that, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't enter a tournament, you don't have the feel of the competition or being uh, accosted by somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's the two sides of it. Uh, the training that I have is, is kind of a hard workout and and yeah, we pulled the punch and all that, but I felt that it carried me, and that's what I passed on to the student. Uh, so all of his instructors, when I was training there anyway, never entered tournaments. I did go to a lot of tournaments to support them. Okay, they were nice enough to let me uh, uh, judge, you know, some of the events. That's cool. I never did compete in, in a tournament. See, I was the same. I've only done one tournament in my life either. I, I was never, I was never into competition. It was never something I was interested in. I only did one because I had an instructor that forced me to do one. Otherwise, I would have probably never been to one. It's, it's not for everyone. You know, you gotta, you gotta do what's right for you for martial arts. Yeah, because the thing is, again, like I said, there's two sides to the story. I felt confident enough that if I was confronted, you know, I would do my thing. Right. And in some of it, you know, I've been to uh, Ed Parker's International Karate, uh, I mean, uh, tournament in Long Beach. Yep. Remember that international tournament? I've been to it twice, yep. Yeah. In the 90s, so a little, probably a little after you, but I've been to it twice. 
Yeah, but you would remember most of the fighting on the black belt level was in the parking lot after the tournament. <laughs> that I don't remember. But interesting. Huh? I did not know that. You don't remember that. You remember black belt Kumate was the worst division, the worst, worst division, because the black belt that was competing would be judging himself. Oh, no, he didn't hit me. Oh, yes, I hit him. You know? Wow. And the argument starts, right? Yep. You enter a tournament and you have judges and referees. They call the shots. You got to be man up enough to accept their decision. Right. Or don't enter a tournament. Yeah. That's my feelings. Agreed. That's my feelings. And that's why I say all the fights was after the tournament ended in the parking lot. <laughs> nice. All the black belts and their group got together and then there was a big fight. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, so there was a few times that early part that uh, uh, I would get invited to uh, referee a black belt division kumite. Okay. And uh, I would decline. Yeah. I would decline. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go for the A black belt, you know, you're representing and, and being an instructor. Most of the black belts were instructors uh, entering a tournament and they would argue with the call. Some of them would have students there. Now, in front of your students, now you're arguing. You know the tournament rules, the decision, the last word is the referee or the judges. So, you know. I agree completely. If like, yeah, if you're not accepting that, don't don't enter. Yep. You can come and support it, but don't enter. That was my feeling. I agree. <laughs> so do you have a favorite martial arts book? Long time ago, what I did was my, my, in fact, it could have been my first book. It was a ninjutsu book by Dr. Hatami. Uh, uh, what is it? You know who that, yep. you know who I'm talking about. Yes. The ninjutsu book. Yep. I want to say that was my first book. Okay. That's kind of got me into all this weapon stuff. Ah, very cool. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you're talking, oh man, that's years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, in fact, let me just throw this at you. Mm -hmm. I just did an interview uh, last month. Mm -hmm. The first question asked was that, nowadays, how old are you? <laughs> Seriously? That's what they asked? Hey, nobody asked me that question. And I went, wow. <laughs> hey. So I was kind of waiting for you to ask me that. Well, you can but look you that up. <laughs> So I'm I'm throwing it in. I'm going to ask me the same question. How's that? Okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, nowadays this is I was born in 1940. Yep. Okay. So today is uh, September 2023. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that will make me 82. In December of 2023, I will be 83. Wow. You don't look it. Now, Brian, if you start asking me questions 100 years ago, <laughs> on what day did I buy my first book? I got no answer for you. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? Here's a question. Have you ever thought of writing a book? I mean, with your life and your career, has that ever crossed your mind to maybe writing an autobiography or something? I, I have been jotting down. Now, I've been approached by that. The closest thing to something like that is that one I did. Are you familiar with the martial art 
historic museum oh, in yes. Burbank. Yep, I've actually okay. he's been on my show. Oh, Michael? Yep, Michael Matsuda's been on my, he was he was one of my guests. Okay, so I did a bio for them. Okay. I have a, a DVD. Nice. So it kind of kind of covered, you know, it's a short video mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I think like about 50 minutes uh which really doesn't take into, you know, a bio. Right. Uh, and then uh, a friend of mine did this 52 masters. Yeah, William. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You, you know Sensei. Yeah, I call yeah. him Sensei Chris. Yes. Sensei Chris. And Sensei Chris calls me Uncle Zero. Whenever he needs something, yep. it's always Uncle Zero. <laughs> Nice. And I said, okay, there's two answers. It's either yes or no. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but he did the 52 masters and he, you know, he included me in that. And that carries a little bit more. Now I was approached by another person that wanted to do something like that, you know, something like the bio. Cause you know, mm-hmm. Al Young has that story about him yep. that took like about four years with about four different directors. Yeah. But yeah, my idea of shooting a, a bio DVD kind of deal, I, I like that idea. But I was telling this guy, you know, I'm I'm looking at maybe four volumes. Nice. You know, I'm not looking at say, you know, like your your interview gonna cover maybe an hour, an hour and a half, yep. maybe longer yep. if I keep talking. If you allow me to talk, you know, that kind of deal. But I enjoy sharing. I really enjoy sharing it. So uh, when when you also mentioned about uh, one of your uh, guests that took hour and a half before you got your second question in, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm in good presence. You That's know? right. That's I what mean. I like. <laughs> well, I tell you, if, if you ever do do a book, I will be one of the first ones to buy it because I'd, I'd love to read that. It'd be awesome. Well, if you might invite me again for another interview, we might get some other portions of it and we can join that into being a bio. I've had a few people ask about coming back on the show for a second interview. So I might, I might look into doing that for some people. That might be fun. Well, we'll just see how many people enjoys the interview. You know, yeah. if it's lovely, then I, I know that you're not going to invite me <laughs> for the second try. No, I think they're going to love it. So don't get ahead of the game. <laughs> I keep saying you got to wait. You got to wait. You have to wait. Yep. until the chicken comes out of the egg. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Brian, I'm enjoying it. That's good. All right, so, so this question might be a little tough for you because you've done a lot of TV, so you can't pick a show that you've been on. Do you have a favorite martial arts TV show that you haven't been involved with? I haven't been involved with? Yep. Oh. <laughs> you've done a lot of them, so that's why we got to put that in there so we can make it a little harder for you. Oh, that's good. No, nobody asked me that before. Oh, let's see. Wow, that's a hard one. There was a lot of projects, you know, like TV shows. You know, like I know Chuck Norris, mm-hmm. but he never invited me to do Texas Ranger. Okay, fun show. Okay, yep. and the show he did with uh, David Carradine. Oh, uh, the, that was a movie, though. That was Lone Wolf McQuaid. There you go. Yep. That's the movie. Yep. You know, so again, there's there's uh, projects, uh, you know, but I did get a chance to work uh, with Chuck on Octagon. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I knew Chuck from uh, competition days, you know, at, at Long Beach. So. Okay. Uh, but boy, that's a tough one. 
You know, I want to say, uh, I mean, it, it, it don't match, but boy, I wish I was uh, involved with uh, some of the Zatoichi, I, I don't think, sword play, but, you know, yeah. being involved with something like that. That'd be cool. Did you know that Zatoichi, I don't know his name, Saburo? Is that Saburo? Waki Saburo? I think so. Anyway. I, I bought a whole bunch of DVDs. I bought uh, all his 17, 20 volumes of his movie, Zatoichi. Uh, so I have, I have a nice collection of that. And I also, by accident, uh, found that four seasons of TV series, mm-hmm. four series. And one of, I'm getting ahead of, I think I bought a book set also. I had the individual one, volume one, volume two. I also bought a book set, and they had a bonus in there, behind the scenes and all that. You know that uh, Waki Saburo, I think that's his name, uh, Zatoichi, mm-hmm. actually did a lot of his choreograph for his sword fighting. Really? He okay. did? Yeah, yeah, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I thought somebody else was doing all this choreographing for him, but uh, uh, one of them that they had shown is that when he draws his sword, when there's an opponent, uh, before the guy draws his sword or he draws the sword and raises it to slice, cut him down, he would grab the handle of one of his swords and then with the butt of it kind of thrust it in his stomach like, and then follow with a cut, you know, right. pulling the sword backwards kind of deal. They were practicing something like that on that uh, little clip. So, you know, uh, American movie, oh, I don't know. Do you have a favorite? Is there one, like, if you're if you're at home and the TV's on and, and you see a martial arts, is there, like, a guilty pleasure where you'll you'll sit down and watch it if, like, you know, Bloodsport or The Karate Kid or, you know, one of those pops on, Enter the Dragon, will you sit and watch it? Uh, you know, I, I don't like Enter the Dragon for some reason. Okay. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. That, that was a wrong choice of words. I enjoy it, but uh, I don't think I'll sit down and watch that. Okay. But I would... I would watch, oh, what's that movie? Now you're throwing some good questions at me. Man, I wasn't, <laughs> That's my job. I wasn't expecting <laughs> this. Yeah, about this time, man, I would be chewing your butt out for asking me those hard <laughs> questions. That's the only answer I can come up with, Brian. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> uh, but movies to, to watch, you know, I kind of like to watch Japanese movie, American movie, mm-hmm. and not Hong Kong movie. For some reason, I don't like the Hong Kong movie. Okay. I wouldn't sit down and watch a Hong Kong movie. Let me put it that way. That makes perfect sense. I don't know why. I, I guess it's, you know, I want to say a lot of wire and stuff. I don't enjoy that. Whereas a Japanese samurai movie is a little bit down to earth. Uh, I imagine there is some, you know, like the ninja type movie, there is some wire involved in it, yeah. but not as much as like the, the Kung Fu kind of movie, right? The Hong Kong. Okay. So that's probably my answer to, to your question. Uh, oh, that's good. I wouldn't sit down and watch uh, a Hong Kong Kung Fu movie. Okay. All right. So this one, a final question. Now this one doesn't again where <laughs> we go. That's right. Now this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, just all-time favorite movie fight scene. There's just one <laughs> one one fight scene that just stands out. And and I just for, just to let you know people have picked anything from like the Rocky movies and the Princess Bride and superhero movies and comic book movies and Star Wars movies. So anything goes. Just a, a one fight scene that really stands out for you. <laughs> 
I'm prejudiced. It's my fight scenes that I feel. <laughs> what an well, one that you oh, haven't been in. One that you haven't been in. Come on, we got to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, just so you know, a lot of people have actually picked Big Trouble in Little China, so that's actually been picked by a few of my guests. <laughs> well, see, that really wasn't a, to me. You know, it's so wide range, right? So many people involved. You know, right? So I would kind of pick. Uh, oh, I had that. Uh, a lot of people hasn't seen this movie, mm-hmm. uh, but it's called Karate Wars. It's one of my movies. Okay. Okay. So Karate Wars is almost like Karate Kid. The two kids on each side, the good and the bad, they have a, a, a grudge match. But at the end, the two instructors, so this is no name people. I'm one of the guys, the bad guy. And my good buddy, uh, Sensei Richard Rabago, I don't know if you know the name. Uh, he's part, uh, he was part of uh, Tadachi Yamashita's group. Okay. Uh, Shoumaru. Anyway, we did this one chippy movie, uh, but we did have an ending fight scene that uh, I thought was enjoyable. I mean, being in it uh, and working with Richard uh, to begin with is, is nice. Uh, okay. I've seen the so movie. I've actually seen the movie, so... <laughs> You did. Okay. I'll watch any martial arts movie. <laughs> I, I try to watch them all. So. Okay. So let me throw another one at you, Dad. Mm-hmm. How about Ninja Academy? Oh, yeah. I remember that one. And, and really quick, the reason I remember Karate Wars is I heard about it through Gabe Renaga, who was in it. I met him at the Diamond Nationals Karate Tournament, and he had talked about that movie, so I went and watched it. Oh, yeah. Again, it's, it's to me, you know, it's not one of those high class, what you call, but again, for me, with all the friends, you know, with students that were in it, yeah, you know, the kids, the kids, this kids, you know, so for me, you know, I was duping and giving them, you know, they didn't get their, you know, their copies. So I was trying to get them copies, Okay. you know, for them, you know, being a, not, not right away, kind of uh, later on in life so they can see themselves as kids. Nice. And that's a kind of flunky, flunky answer, but, uh, I'll kind of stay with that. I, I mean, even Ninja Academy, you yeah. know, that fight that I had with the, the other instructor, mm-hmm. you know, that was, <laughs> that yep. was fun. Cause after the fight scene, uh, he was in a makeup room and I, I had to go do a little bit, touch up on makeup. And all I heard him, he was yelling his head off to the, the makeup girl was the hair girl as well, right? Mm-hmm. And he was swearing. He was using some good words about that. The, 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 the beep, beep, beep. Gerald was <laughs> pulling the hair out of my head. Every time he grabbed my hair and he was pulling my hair out of my head. <laughs> and he was using some good words after that, man. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Well, I'm going to tell you if, when I, when I release the episode, I'm definitely going to put a link for your website because looking through it through your fan club thing where people can order people can order autographed pictures and, and memorabilia and stuff, autographed nunchucks, and so I'm definitely going to put a link out there and, and send people there. And I might order one or two myself. There's some cool stuff on here, so I'm 
definitely excited about that. But before I let you go, any last minute parting words you want to leave the listeners with? This has been such an honor and, and you're, you're so fun to talk to and such a great storyteller. And, and uh, just uh, any, any last minute words for the listeners? I do have some last words. I, I keep telling you, you cut me off too soon. Now, I don't know about your audience. Um, they might be enjoying it. So again, you know, I have no good words to say to you, except thank you very much for including me in your podcast. Sir, it's, it's seriously, this has been such an honor. It, it's been such a blast talking to you. And, and I, I love your movies. I love your characters. And, and I, I, I hope to meet you in person someday. I'm hoping to get back out to California in the next few years to visit friends and would love to sit down and have lunch with you or something and, and, and tell more stories in person even. <laughs> Brian, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I like some of your 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 questions to this interview, and there are some that I I hate. Uh, <laughs> but it's been a joy. It's been a joy for me being interviewed by you. Truly, truly. Same, same for me, thank sir. You, I, I, I truly appreciate it, and, and I thank you for your time. <laughs> You're lying. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.